to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Calling all reactive dog owners. Y'all, I know that owning a reactive dog is daunting, it's overwhelming, it's stressful, but I want to give you tools. I want to make your life easier. So that is why I created Reactive Redefined. Reactive Redefined is an online course for reactive dog owners uh, so that you have the skills to improve your dog's reactivity and to make outings more enjoyable. So if you'd like to learn more about Reactive Redefined, head over to my website, agfdogtraining.com, Um, Click Reactive Redefined to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome. My name is Rachel Ari Harris, and I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I own and run a Good Feeling Dog Training, which is based in Denver, Colorado, and I am also dog mom to two dogs, Tiva and Waylon. So if you are not already following us on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, that is a great place to get a lot of free dog training information, advice, and how-to videos. So go ahead and give us a follow over there. So if you have been listening to the podcast, you have heard me talk about Reactive Redefined, which is my online course for reactive dog owners. So guys, I'm still working on some of the details of this course, but the course will be ready for launch in April. So if you're interested in joining the course, do me a favor and fill out a short survey. Uh, The link to that is in the show notes. Um, Huge thanks to everyone who has already completed the survey. Um, I will be sending more details soon. So just hang tight for that. So guys, in today's episode, I have another reactive dog case study. Um, Sweet Mellow and his wonderful humans joined me and we talked about the training journey that we went on to um, work through some of Mellow's reactivity. So Mellow is a dog who can be dog friendly, but also cannot be dog friendly in some circumstances. So this episode is a little bit different than the previous episode with Boone, who is pretty dog friendly. He was just reactive on leash. So I wanted to just give you some different perspectives on leash reactivity because I know that it doesn't manifest itself the same in all dogs. So I wanted just to give you some more insight into if your dog can um, at times act aggressively towards other dogs, what you would maybe do different in a training plan versus if your dog was pretty historically good with other dogs, but just reactive on leash. So yeah, guys, I hope that you are well wherever you are. Please enjoy this case study. And if you're interested in joining Reactive Redefined, you can click the link in the show notes to fill out a short survey to see if it could be right for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs. I am so spoiled because one of my fabulous clients are joining me tonight, and they're going to share their journey that I am honored to be a part of with their wonderful dog. So guys, why don't you introduce yourselves, and why don't you tell us about Sweet Mellow? My name's Jen. And I'm Mike. And we have an amazing dog named Mellow. He is an adult rescue dog. Yes. Okay. Um, and then why don't you tell us his mix? Because it's so fascinating. Yeah. So he is a Houston street dog and we're told by the doggy DNA test we did that he is 
American Bulldog and German Shepherd. Um, he sits like a bulldog and thinks like a shepherd. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay, so Mike, can you tell us his backstory? Like, what, what do you guys know about, like, his life before he came to you guys? So we don't know a lot. Like, he most likely was tied up outside on cement just because he has calluses, like, all over his legs. Um, but he's anywhere from, they told us three to five, but probably like five to eight, nine, ten uh, <laughs> years old. Um, and so he was picked up on the streets of Houston after Hurricane Harvey, um, brought up to a great organization, Dancing Dogs Rescue, uh, out of Lakewood, Colorado. Um, and then there, he was at a kennel for like, six months before we uh, found him and then uh, fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, so so what were you guys looking for in a dog? Like, did you have any specific requirements? Like, obviously you wanted an adult dog, but... We wanted an adult dog for a lot of reasons. I mean, to not have to have a rescue dog, but to not, to kind of get past the hopefully peeing in the house and chewing on things and all of that. So we've been talking about getting a dog. Our big requirements were we both wanted a big dog. And that was pretty much it. I started one weekend morning on a Saturday morning sending Mike pictures of rescue dogs just one at a time on his phone. <laughs> and eventually he, we found a couple he liked and Mello was one and we had a dog by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So, and then, so did he go from the, he was in like a shelter environment, but then he lived in a foster home before he came to you guys. Is that right? Yeah. Slightly different order. He was picked up on the streets of Houston, then rescued from a kill shelter, um, put into a foster home for a couple weeks or a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he got neutered there while he was recovering from neutering there. And then they shipped him up to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Okay, so the foster wasn't in Colorado. I see. No. Okay. The so foster was in Go ahead. Texas, and they said that when he walked in the house for the first time, he, like, started just barking at the furniture. So they think he'd never been in a house before. He waited for it to move. And it was a house with dogs and kids. I think they do it to test out how the dog does. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you had a little bit of information about him, like, in a home sitting, but not a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so let's talk about um, when you first started to notice some of Mello's behavior towards dogs. So it was primarily, like, on walks when you guys were out in the neighborhood, right? Because they live in Denver, so the neighborhood they're in is pretty busy, so they, they encounter quite a few dogs. Yeah, so we first noticed the aggressiveness, not aggressiveness, reactivity, right? Yeah. Uh, and we noticed the reactivity, like, somewhat right away, because when, when we're walking on the streets, there's rarely a time we take them for a walk. We don't see, like, let alone one, but, like, multiple dogs on walks. And he just would, like, just take an aggressive stance, like a prone stance, and um and he would go up and he would never bite or nip but he would like try to pin other dogs yeah i i have a different experience of that 
when he was walking with a dog, he'd be able to say hi to certain dogs and not have any issues. And then other dogs, he would just kind of kind of go in hot, kind of go quickly for the hello or have that aggressive stance where it didn't seem like a good idea. So it's kind of a mix. Some dogs he could say hi to and be all right with and other dogs, not as much. Yeah, right. And, and I feel like that is a challenging thing, right? For you guys as owners to not always know, right? Because sometimes it was fine and then other times it wasn't so great, right? So that definitely gives conflicting information. And I feel like that can be an overwhelming place to be in, right? Like, wait a minute, what are we missing here, right? Like, what are, what are we <laughs> What makes this good and what makes this bad? So, okay, so I want to talk just a little bit about some of the observable behaviors. Okay, so guys, um, what Mike is talking about is some of like the posturing and stance. So Mello's weight was forward. He had like the hard stare. His ears were forward. And then um, he did some lunging, but was, was he vocalizing initially too, or was it mainly just like staring and lunging? I feel like the vocalizing has changed over time. Okay. Um, well, do you agree? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there was initially as much vocalizing. And now as he's gotten like way better with like looking back to us when he sees another dog, like there's definitely more whining than there used to be. Cause I think he like, he's like, oh, I shouldn't do this, but I want to do this, but I shouldn't do this. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think that I think that Mello experiences a lot of like emotional conflict. And and my best guess would be that's probably due just to like lack of like a ton of exposure to other dogs, right? Like he was with other dogs in the foster home and, and we can never know what happened before. But I feel like Mello really wants to like other dogs, but then he sees them and he just is flooded with emotion. And he's like, but wait a minute, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he tries to just say hi. He goes for the head first. He says hi that way. His social <laughs> skills are really lacking. Yeah, for sure. Right. He's kind of got like the awkward greeting status happening. Right. Okay. So guys, let's talk about the moment that you felt like you needed the help of a trainer. Like, can you remember like a specific thing or did you always think you wanted to go like the help of a trainer after you adopted him? For me, I think it was, for, for us, pretty much when we knew we were going to get an adult rescue dog, and after meeting Mello, we said we need to get a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would have gotten a trainer for any dog, but yeah. it became clear that Mello he had some stuff. was not going to be a <laughs> let's go to the dog park day one, everything's great and fine and gets along with other dogs and is perfect he's 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 not a doodle like yeah. he's not a doodle <laughs> that's okay right and i think that that's totally okay so was that hard initially to realize that like he wasn't like the dog park kind of dog it it was a little bit um disappointing because dog parks are like easy for us humans right it's for like sure. you you take um you take him for 10 minutes he sprints around and he's just like gassed and so like that was the only it was just not expected for me and i agree i think having watched 
other friends' dogs and been part of the Colorado dog culture. There was a piece of me that was sad that our dog was not going to be the off-leash dog hiking, bringing, going on trips with friends that have dogs and having it be okay. Yeah. Was hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it throws a wrench into some of like the social settings, right? Because I know you guys are like huge in the mountains. You spend a lot of time up there and it, it would be easier in a lot of ways, right? Like if Mello could just get along with every dog. So um, I, I commend you guys, right? For your flexibility and for your understanding of who Mello is and like what he needed from you guys. And, and I think that a lot of people find themselves in this boat, right? Where like you have you want to get a dog and you want to give them the best life. And then you realize that like some of the things that you were hoping for aren't really what the dog wants or needs. Right. And it's kind of a lot. You're like, okay, well, here we are, you know, but I think that along the way you figure out some other really brilliant ways that you can do stuff with the dogs, even if that means like not going to the dog park and not hanging out with every off leash dog. Right. I think we brought him over to meet a friend's dog pretty quickly in it and just in the backyard <laughs> and nothing bad happened it just became clear the other dog did not want to hang out with him because she did not play in the same way that he did <laughs> and this dog is like it's a bolster own like it is a high energy high play like dog and like she was hiding like on the back side of the table like trying to get away from him like he was throwing out some vibes so. Right, right. So, and that's and that's a really good learning opportunity, isn't it? Right. You're like, okay, all right. We're getting to know Mello in a different way. And I think, you know, like seriously, I can remember a time when I did that with like a previous dog before I was a dog trainer. You know, and being like, huh, this is weird. This is not. Yeah, how I like all dogs to go. play together. All dogs play together. They're all fine. <laughs> right, right. And then you get a dog who teaches you otherwise. So thank yeah. you, Mello. Thank you, Mello. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so guys, when when we started working together, did you have high hopes for training? Were you kind of apprehensive? Like, how were you feeling like before we had that first meeting? I mean, from my perspective, going into training, like if like our toilets leaking, we'll call a plumber. Like, I I don't. We don't have a lot of experience training dogs, especially dogs with. Uh, history i'll say history like uh, <laughs> like hello and so like just we wanted to just like work on some skills with them mostly in the house and then he was pulling like crazy on the leash too um as well on walking and past tense so it's better now but um but yeah it was just trying to just get a couple skills for him and for us yeah I think we had a open mind and had some expectations, but I don't think we realized fully what training was going to entail <laughs> until we met you. Mike sent me a video from your website with the leaving the treats on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Something that just blew my mind that a dog could do that and have that impulse control and self-control. And so I think that was the first indication of, oh, what training could be. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and I think, you know, it's like, you don't really know until you're in it. And, and, I, and I hope that you guys felt like this, but my goal is always to like show you the brilliance that is the dog in front of you, you know, and, and mellow while he can be, you know, kind of awkward with other dogs and has some of these reactivity behaviors, he learns so fast and he's so motivated, right? Like I think food motivated is an understatement. <laughs> right. Yeah, food, food motivation like is so. I mean, I after working with you, I I do believe like with focus and attention, we can get him to like do anything we ask of him because he's just like, sure, I'll learn. He's always game, right? He's always game. Like, okay, we're doing this thing. I'm up for it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so. Let's talk about some of the initial steps we took. Okay, so I want to touch on the polling on leash because um, Mello was like pretty sled dog status, right? Like I don't think that he had much experience in the way of like walk with the person. It was just like you were out and he was on a mission and you were just kind of like a byproduct of that. Did you guys like feel that initially when you were walking him? Yes. <laughs> In the house, Mello was super calm. And then immediately when we opened the front door and went to go on a walk, he just went for it. On a mission, going forward, didn't matter what direction, just all in. Right. Well, and how much does Mello weigh these days? Uh, about 85 pounds. Yeah, right. So, like, he is not a small dog, like, trying to get out the door with, right? Like, you definitely had to, like, lean back on the leash initially when he went out that front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's, that was one of our first steps, right, was teaching him to stay at the door until you released him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and um, these days, he's amazing at that. Yeah, um, he has, like, and, and I mean, it, that same skill has transferred to the back door. It, that skill has transferred to when we leave a peanut butter Kong in front of him. It's a, it's a sit, stay, and then he like looks at whatever he wants. And then he looks back at us, and then we treat him as we, as we were trained to do, to train him. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we release him. Yeah, which is so good. And I think that, you know, Mellow used to be just so overstimulated outside. And I think that that was some of his like desperation to get out the front door, right? He's like, but there's all of this stuff to see outside you guys. And I feel like he's, he's just, he has an easier time like handling the world than he did before, right? You're like, it's okay. We can collect ourselves before we go out the door. And mm -hmm. you did such a good job of maintaining that and reinforcing that. And I'm, and I'm just so pleased to see how that's translated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then second, we focused on teaching him the art of walking with you instead of pulling ahead of you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, so how often were you guys working on that? You're working on it every day, right? Cause you were walking him almost every day and you still are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we walk him. I walk him in the morning. Jen walks him in the afternoon. Um, and he like, and he just on the way out he pulls a little bit more because he's excited about the world and then on the way back like to the house he's awesome and he is like walking by the side and being really calm and patient 
And just the ability to look back, check in with us. He knows how long his leash is now, and so he's not pulling to the extreme. He is, even if it's at the end of it, there's still a little bit of loose leash to it. And I think that was such huge progress from our yes. perspective. Oh, absolutely, right? And just like the functionality of like, you guys could get him out on a walk and you didn't have to feel like your shoulder was gonna get ripped out of your socket. Well, and early on I suggested the hands-free leash because I felt like Jen, especially you, like I felt like you needed all of your body weight to lean back when he really started pulling. Yes, and the waist leash has been so helpful for us and anybody that watches him. We have a good friend that I think is about 90 pounds and she came and watched him and with the waist leash can do great as well. Yeah. Okay. So did you feel like you saw like slow and steady progress with the leash work or do you feel like it took a little while for you to feel like there was like meaningful progress? No, I feel like after our first or second session, there started to be progress and then it was obviously a progression. He wasn't an all-star day one, but uh, it was just like a steady progress over over a few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and would you say that it just keeps getting better? Like as you keep working on it, as you progress and as he's with you longer, do you feel like it just keeps getting better? Yes. And as he's getting older, yeah. <laughs> as, you know, three to five, 10. No, but I think it's just getting more and more from when we leave the house, he'll always look back as he gets to the top of the stairs on walks he can easily sit and lay down and focus on us and do commands that he was not able to do at the beginning yeah well and i think that that's something else we just put a ton of reinforce well you guys you did most of the work here obviously is you know just the auto check-in because initially that's not something he was like offering per se right like he wasn't really engaging in you guys he was more like engaged in his environment yeah, he was he was engaged with his environment first, and then us third. Uh, <laughs> now, now, like he still gets engaged with the environment, but he always checks back with us, um, and he defaults back to us. And his default behavior is a sit. His default behavior is a look at us, um, and then we mark him and give him a treat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like that that makes being out in the world with him just a little bit easier on your part? So you don't have to be like 100% in trainer mode and sometimes he can just offer that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's more comfortable for him too. Um, like he's not freaking out all the time anymore. Yeah. And we're less stressed. He's less stressed. He's enjoying the walk. We're enjoying the walk. Yes. Gears up right now as we're saying. <laughs> He's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Okay, and then, um, you know, something else that you guys put a lot of work into that I, you know, I helped guide you, I think that the leave it cue, because initially he was pretty interested in like caps and stuff, right? And that doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. Yeah, went away from, um, at first he was really interested in squirrels. Okay. And now he could care less about squirrels. Then it was like a high interest in cats. Now it's a medium interest in cats okay and you can manage it better right and he's oh, yeah. responsive to cues when you need him mm -hmm. yeah okay okay and the leave it with his food as well to watch that progression has been great too because he was ravenous before right like setting the food bowl down was not an easy thing before <laughs> 
No, I mean, I think he just went from not knowing exactly what his next meal would be, which I get. So he was just going to eat it all. <laughs> and from the slow feeder bowl to the snuffle mat, thank you for the oh, suggestion. Oh, the snuffle mat. Yes. <laughs> Mello loves the snuffle mat. Yes. Okay. So, um, okay. So let's talk about, okay. So, so mellow specific triggers are dogs. It's not really people. It's not really bikes or skateboards or anything like that. It, it's pretty specifically dogs. Yes. It's pretty specifically between 50 to 80% of dogs. Right. Right. And, and it's pretty common that if the dog is no ignoring him and you've given him some space, he can kind of just move on. But if the other dog is like engaging in him pulling or barking or vocalizing, that makes it harder for him to just keep his cool and keep walking. Yes. And you are correct. Of, it is just dogs. It is not humans. It's not cars. It's not bikes. Right. He's a little bit scary on his lack of uh, awareness of cars as we're crossing <laughs> the street actually <laughs> oh my god okay so so in some of the later sessions that we did together together we introduced um we introduced mellow to sally and sally is a stuffed dog so listeners if you are not familiar um i use a stuffed dog pretty frequently in training um leash reactivity to other dogs because obviously the other dog doesn't react and it's much easier to kind of control and manipulate so that we can keep the dog we're training under threshold. So um, initially, Mello was pretty convinced that Sally was real. Still is. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and we started from a really big distance. Um, but, you know, those initial sessions, he had a really hard time seeing Sally. So we changed some things. We did some setups. And that's when we really started to focus on the look at that game. So instead of waiting for him to default back to you, we were, we were waiting for him to look at Sally. We were marking and rewarding to help prevent it from escalating. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like when we introduced that, you were able to manage some of his reactivity just a little bit better than you could before? Yes. At first, I thought it was very counterintuitive. To it feels be, like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. To be giving him a treat when he's looking at a dog, even if he's looking, posturing and looking aggressively at a dog and doing the lip flip or whatever it is. But... I could see that it kind of, again, just brought him back to, I forgot what, exactly what you said, but that idea that it's okay, we're here, you're all right, you can come back to us. Yeah, for sure. Because I think, you know, Mello's reaction came from a place of like the unknown, you know, and he's like, what's going on? I don't know. And by doing the look at that game, we're able to teach him that the sight of other dogs was actually the predictor that something good was going to happen. And I feel like that took a lot of the emotional roller coaster out of it for him because there was no conflict. He's like, ooh, dogs make good things happen. Instead of like, there's a dog, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna interact? Are they gonna bark at me? Right? Like, I feel like there was so many things running through Mello's mind when he saw dogs that he just couldn't even collect. You know, he was just so overstimulated in those moments. Is yeah. that your experience? Do you feel like that, that's how he was feeling? Yeah. He he would yeah it's a defense mechanism and he would get aggressive uh stance because he had to be ready for whatever yeah um and so by like 
shoving repeated treats in his mouth <laughs> as he sees other dogs. The progression, I, I see it now. I can get closer to other dogs all the time in walks. And not only like does he stop pulling as aggressively, but sometimes he remember he even even remembers now and he's like, Oh, if I look back at dad, I'll get a treat. So I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So we can see that conditioned emotional response really shining through, right? Because he sees a dog and he anticipates something good and he knows that something good is coming from you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yes. for sure. So, okay. So let's talk about distance. So initially you were doing quite a bit of avoiding, right? So crossing the street, changing directions. And where, where are you at with that now? Like, are you still crossing the street? Are you passing with a little bit of space? Like, how are you guys feeling comfort wise with that right now? I feel pretty comfortable if we're on the sidewalk, just going off of the sidewalk towards the car. So giving it five feet or so and holding him back if needed. A lot of times I find that with how Mello looks, sometimes other owners (laughs) or they have their own reactive dogs will take their dogs in another direction or move around. And so it is way less distance for me than it used to be yeah same i i do i generally move uh with him to a little green space take him off the sidewalk give the other dog right away but i'm not avoiding anymore um and just have him sit and then feed him feed him feed him as the other dog the one thing i'm always looking out for is what kind of leash is the other dog on um, and yes. if it's like a decent sized, actually, if it's a retractable leash of any kind, that's when I'll like continue uh, into the street and do full avoidance because other dog owners uh, like us in the past, I think, expect all dogs to play well together. Yeah, well, and I, you know, you guys have done such an amazing job of really figuring out like what you need to be aware of and some of those like subtle things that you have to watch for. And I think that all of the reactive dog listeners um, who are with us right now are just like, you know, trembling thinking about retractable leashes because they really are the reactive dog owner's nemesis, aren't they? Right? Because people just don't seem to be paying attention. And here we are with this dog right near us. So it's not fair, but it is something that, you know, as a reactive dog owner, you just have to be prepped and ready for. Um, But I'm so glad to hear that you guys have been able to close the gap and you guys don't have to actively avoid anymore. Does that feel good to like, know, like we've got the skills, we can do this. (laughs) Yes. Definitely have the skills in the city. Mountains is harder because if retractable leashes get our heart rates going, off-leash dogs are, they really get it going. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I think that that's a, that's a really good point. And I know that this is so stressful for so many reactive dog owners and, and something that I suggested early on that I know is always a little hard for owners to hear is that I recommended muzzle training. And it's not because I think that Mellow is a, a horrible dog, but you know, I think that what happens is that you cannot protect people and off-leash dogs, unfortunately, are inevitable. And even if an off-leash dog approaches you and Mellow were to bite that dog, you could still be liable. And, and I wanted you guys to be proactive about training so that you had more skills because I knew that you guys, especially you, Mike, you were feeling really tentative about taking him on hikes because of the worry of off-leash dogs. And you guys had some scary experiences early on, right? 
Yeah, well, we were up in the mountains uh, twice, actually, because everybody has their dog off leash up there. Um, and there's varying degrees of control from, from those dogs and their owners. And so uh, one time, um, a guy had two dogs. One of them was his, the other one wasn't. And he was walking them, and they ran up on Mello. Mello was on leash. And like Mello does what he does and he pins dogs. Like he has a head that weighs 30 pounds and he pins them and other dogs don't like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like trying to rip the other dogs off. And um, so, yeah, it was a tense moment. Yeah. So, so initially when I brought up the muzzle training, how did you guys feel about that? I think, I was open to it. Mike and I had an interesting, our first months with Mello were different. I'd seen Mello have more successful dog interactions and not seen the off-leash negative interactions. And so I think you witnessed that as well, of just the dy dynamics that we had to navigate in our relationship of, hey, I want to do more with him in terms of dogs and Mike saying, I've seen this go really poorly. And so just trying to come to a common understanding. Yeah, that's a good point. And actually you've been a good uh, like doggy therapist in that too. <laughs> where it, we have had different experiences and the one commonality is we obviously love Mello while well, I love each other, but also love Mello and we want the best for them. And, but we had different realities mm -hmm. and I was nervous about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think the condition emotional responses are real in us is just as much as they are in the dogs, right? And, you know, and that's definitely a huge part of my job is like, it's not just about changing Mello's condition emotional responses. It's about <laughs> making sure that when you guys are out with him, that you have those same positive condition emotional responses. And it's hard because people don't understand and off-leash dogs approach it, approach and retractable leashes cause torment for you and the dog, you know? And and it's interesting, right? How like it's the same dog and you guys just had different experiences. But since the muzzle training, well, first and foremost, um, I feel like Mello took the quickest to muzzle training than any dog I've ever worked with. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, stick my face in this and wear it? Okay, sure. <laughs> like, he had no reservations about it at all, did he? <laughs> yeah, looping around the back of my head, whatever. Like, oh, you're going to keep treat treating me? Okay. Mellow is very, so yes, from my initial reaction of, I was open to muzzle training. I didn't know what it would look like. I hadn't seen the muzzle that we're using currently, but Mellow took to it very, very quickly. And he kind of has a, whatever, you do whatever, it's okay. This is life now mentality. And why not? It became a why not situation of it's going to keep our stress levels down. Most importantly, it's going to keep Mello and other dogs safer. Yeah. We, we actually very infrequently put it on him down in Denver, um, but we put it on him every walk in the mountains just due to the propensity of off-leash dogs. Yeah. And Mike, do you feel like that that eases your worry a little bit when he's wearing it? For sure. And it's not, it, I'm not really worried about him, or I'm, and I'm not worried about him hurting other dogs. I'm other, worried about other dogs. The nice side effect of the muzzle is it makes him look a little crazy. 
So other dogs and other dog owners tend to stay more clear of us. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that right? is one. With Mello, he has never bit another dog. He's never... Right, like he's never mauled another dog. He's just reactive. He's just kind of awkward sometimes. Yeah. But it takes away the option of him biting another dog if a scuffle were to occur. And that is very reassuring. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, I think that, like you said, right, like it's it's a good... Um, safety net, literally and figuratively speaking, right? People see the dog in the mouth, they're like, hmm, maybe we'll give them some space, right? You can just do the nod and wave, right? Like, thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate you, right? Well, you know, and, and I know it's hard, right? Because you, you didn't get a dog to be like an ambassador for like muzzle training by any means, right? I'm sure you probably didn't even know about muzzle training before Mellow, but I think that, I think that it's good for people to see responsible ownership and, and see what that looks like and to see that like, Mello's a happy ass dude, right? Like he's out sniffing, his tail is high, he's happy. Like wearing that muzzle doesn't weigh him down at all. No, no, I, and you brought up a good point. My perception on muzzles was like pretty much only dogs that have like killed other dogs, like the worst of the worst. Right. And so this is, this has changed it. And yeah, once he gets it on and gets outside, like maybe one time a walk, he tries to paw it off for a second. And then he like, it's like, oh, fine, whatever. Um, and yeah, he's happy. He's, he's taking treats. He's sniffing. He's happy dog. And all people that meet him are then shocked to find out that he doesn't get along with other dogs. Oh, that's been surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Like every friend with a dog is like, oh, you said he like couldn't get along with other dogs. Like bring him over. Like Mello's so sweet. He would never hurt anyone because he is so incredibly sweet. And that just goes back to our perception of muzzles has changed in terms of what types of dogs are wearing muzzles and why they're choosing to. For us, it's very proactive. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, you know, it, it is hard for us humans to wrap our minds around like a dog who can just be so absolutely fantastic with people, right? Like Mello is, is such a delight, right? Like every time I walk into your house and he parades around and he's all excited that I'm there, like he's, he's the greatest. And it is, it's so weird to think like, oh, he's not great with other dogs. But I think it's a, it's a good wake up call for all of us that like, not all dogs get along and dogs can't just like work it out, right? Like it, that's not the way that it works, right? Like dogs have to be managed and we're responsible for their well-being and just like letting them quote unquote work it out it is not the reality that we live in. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. So are you feeling hopeful for your future with Mello? Oh, he's the yeah, best. He's amazing. <laughs> he's just, he just off camera chasing bunnies in his sleep. Like he's in his chair just hanging out. We're talking about him and he's sleeping. <laughs> He is sleeping. He, we're very hopeful and we thank you so much for all the work that you did with Mello and for us to get him here. I've been bragging about Mello kind of graduating doggy training for what he is able to do and what we want him to do. And in the future, if that changes, we will definitely be coming back to you and asking for more. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you guys have a beautiful functional life together. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, training, of course, you have the trained behaviors. But I feel like you guys are all working so cohesively as a team. And that's, that's just such a beautiful side effect of training. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get to take turns on like practicing skills and working with them. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, the difference between him when we got him a little over a year ago now um, and now is is incredible. So yes, thank you. Yes. Okay. So um, I, I want to hear from both of you on this. We can kind of wrap up on this, but what would your advice be to reactive dog owners who are just kind of figuring out like that their dog can be reactive? Like what would you say to them? If you can afford it, get somebody to help you unless you know what you're doing. Like, you just have to go at the right pace for you and the dog. And we did not have the skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so get assistance if, if you have the means to, to get it. Something that our, the person that ran the rescue told us at the beginning was set them up for success. So set them up Mm. for success. And so just this idea of if you see it at all, go slow, proceed with caution. It's not going to be worth that testing, throw it all in, see what happens type mentality you're talking about. Because I think the trust was just built so much more between Mello and us and ultimately his environment by going slower with it. Yeah. And I think that you bring up such a beautiful point about trust, right? Because we don't know what Mellow's life was was like before you guys. And presumably it wasn't super great. And I think that trust is of the utmost importance, right? And you guys did such a beautiful job of like cultivating an environment in which he could learn and trust. And it's been an absolute delight to be a part of your journey. I mean, it's a magical thing, you know, like it's, it's not easy to be like, Oh, we have this 80 pound dog. Who's not great with all dogs. Right. You're like, Oh shit. But you stepped up, you know, you stepped up. And I think that, um, he's just rewarding you tenfold with just his delightful presence. Isn't he? Yes. And <laughs> trusting the process and being patient. And you're right. He is so delightful. Yeah. That yes. It makes it all worth it. He's, yes. a, he's a therapy dog for sure. We, we joke when we go through the airport about bringing him on a plane someday. <laughs> <laughs> you he probably would be are- such a good support system for all the people, right? For all the people. <laughs> Maybe not the little dogs in the carriers, but you know, (laughs) what can you do? Yes. Okay. Well guys, thank you so much for giving Mello such a wonderful life. And thank you so much for taking time out of your lives to share your story. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of my listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey guys. So I do not take promoting a product lightly. I really don't. I'm not going to tell you about a product I don't really believe in. And I'm not going to tell you about a product that doesn't have a fabulous team behind the product. But I was out of CBD for probably like two weeks. And then the lovely ladies at VetCS got me another bottle and I didn't really think about it. But after I started giving the dog CBD again, Waylon's energy level greatly increased. I think that the CBD helps him feel so much better. So guys, this is not a gimmick. There is no bullshit. I believe in this product. And if you think that your dog could benefit from CBD, I highly suggest check out VetCS. You can learn more about CBD for dogs, cats, and horses at VetCS.com. And you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com. Thank you.